Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome in, Hokie Nation, to this edition of TSL Today. We record on Friday, February 24th, 2023, from the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center in Blacksburg, Virginia. We got a great show planned for you today. Kyle Marshak is on set. Chris Coleman joins us as well. Abby Nielsen behind the scenes. We're going to talk A.J. Swinton, his recent commitment to Virginia Tech, the four-star recruit out of Sierra Canyon, all that and much more coming up on this edition of TSL Today, and it starts right now. Welcome back to this edition of TSL Today. Again, we were recording on Friday, February 24th, 2023. Again, let's introduce the crew on set today. Let's double down. Kyle Marshak across the way. To my right, lead analyst and columnist Chris Coleman. Thanks for hopping on to talk AJ Swinton and Abby Nielsen behind the scenes. So Chris, again, thank you so much for taking some time on your Friday afternoon. Some big news out of Virginia Tech basketball in terms of their recruitment today with the recent commitment of AJ Swinton. Yeah, um, he visited Tech twice. He visited back in December for the UNC game, then he visited last week for the Pitt game. And I think he knew where he was going to go when he visited. I think the visit last week was all about making his commitment video mm-hmm. in Blacksburg, to be honest with you. Uh, I think that that's, that's what it was all about. Um, when the student section starts a chant for you at, at the game, saying, you know, we want you to come here, then you kind of have to go there, don't you? That's pretty was good. That the, was that the Carolina game or I the Pitt game? I, I don't remember, but uh, I think it was actually originally at the Carolina game. Yeah, Kyle and I were not there at that one, so we can't speak to that. But. You, you said before, though, he filmed his commitment video at Fox, Fox Ridge. Ridge. Yeah, you can recognize that I used to play on the court that he's, <laughs> That's, he's uh, shooting at in his video. That is a hop, skip, and a step away from uh, Carter and I's current residence right now. We live right by Please that don't corner. hunt us down. Guys. Yeah, please don't, please don't, please don't. <laughs> so he picked Tech over Ohio State. Maryland, Xavier, and Georgetown, among others, previously played at DeMatha and Oak Hill. So I assume that Mike Jones, the associate head coach at Virginia Tech, was heavily involved in his recruitment. Yeah, he would have played for Mike Jones at at DeMatha. And I, th- I think that definitely played a big factor there. I think it's a it's an excellent get for, t- for Tech, especially since I think they their primary competition was Maryland, since he's from that area, from that neck of the woods. So to be able to beat out a school that is basically in his backyard from mm-hmm. where he grew up, you know, I, I think says a lot. And that, that's one of the reasons Virginia Tech hired Mike, Mike Jones as well, is to help their recruiting up in that area. And we've seen it last year with uh, Buchanan and Rice, and, and now you go into this class as well. Um, obviously, he's not signed yet, so but that, that will come in November. But uh, you could see the connections on the staff. And now that Virginia Tech has a couple of players on their team that he would already be familiar with, from from playing in that area that I just think that made it made the fit all the more natural. You mentioned off air that Justin Mutz is a fair player composition to AJ Swinton. What are the comparisons there? 
and how do you see him fitting into Mike Young's system? You know, he's a guy who is going to be probably an undersized four, like Mutz. I know the recruiting services list him at 6'5", 180, and a small forward. He's more like 6'6", 210 right now, and he's still in high school, so he's still got some growth potential. You know, he could maybe top out at 6'7", and 225, 230 pounds, which is basically just like Mutz. And I wouldn't suggest that he would be as great a passer as Mutz, I think it's Mutz is really unique in his term in his terms of his ability to pass the ball out of that power forward position, but uh, I, he's got really long arms, so he's going to play taller than he is. I, I believe he's got a, a seven foot two inch wingspan. So they're different. Like their their skill set is probably a little bit different from, but from a size standpoint, yes, it's that undersized four. But playing someone undersized to that position can create. Mismatch, excuse me, mismatch, mm-hmm. mismatches on the offensive end, and uh, I, I think all of generally the the best tech teams of the past have always had an undersized four. It's Tech's first commit in the class of twenty twenty four. How do you think this can affect the rest of the class when you add a prize recruit like this early on in the process? Yeah, I, I think you're probably. Uh, you're probably you'll probably shut it down as far as your power forward recruits mm-hmm. uh, and maybe even your versatile swing guys between the three and the four. So much of it, though, like with the transfer portal these days, it's hard to project out a year and right. say this is what we're going to need in this recruiting class. Uh, these are the holes we're going to be looking to fill. We don't know that. Like like Tech will lose at least one player to the transfer portal at the end of this year. I mean, and I don't know who that's going to be, mm-hmm. but it's going to happen because that's just what happens these days in college football. And then that will change your plans for the next recruiting class. So I, I would I would think Tech will probably go out and try to get someone like a true post player in that class as well, someone who can play the center position. And obviously, uh, you know, Mike Young's always going to be recruiting guards. But right now we don't know exactly how many spots are going to be open for mm-hmm. that class yet. So it's still recruiting still going to be a little fluid. So, so that's interesting. You said seven foot two wingspan. Yeah, that is preposterous for, for someone who's six foot six. Right. So he's going to play like he's six eight or that six is, nine. I think. Yeah, that is and nuts. He can get away with it. So that's a fair point. He can play like a, a four, maybe even up to a five. I mean, uh, the Hokies have gotten used to having you know undersized fives. You could say with Grant Bazilli, um, and he's been an athletic scorer. Um, my question to you, and this is totally a stretch, but just completely hypothetical. He can end up, depending on how he grows the next couple of years, anywhere from playing a three to a five. What about defensively? Where does he end up? Do you think with his athleticism and his reach, that's someone that they might even put uh, towards the backcourt defending? Or You know, Mike Young has always said the position you play, you are what you can guard, right? Okay. Uh, So I think it's one of the – it's kind of depends on matchups maybe. He's going to be able to probably guard some small forwards. Uh, Maybe if they're playing a team with a more traditional lineup that has a 6'6 or 6'7", 210 pounds, small forward, something like that. That's a good matchup for him. But if they play like one of those three guard teams, yeah. or like Miami, yeah. and it's like a, a, a your third guard isn't really a small forward. Yeah. It's legit another shooting guard on the court. It's going to be more difficult for him. Yep. So it's it's going to come down to matchups. Basketball these days I think is so matchup dependent, and it's kind of like you you see some teams with with three guards, one. One smaller power forward, I would say, yeah. and, and then a traditional big man. But you'll see some other teams with your with your traditional lineup. So it's going to vary to a certain extent. No, yeah, Miami is the first team I thought of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like for Virginia Tech, for how I think Mike Young would play it, 
I think he's probably would say he spends more time at, at the four, but that, that depends on how he develops. If, if he develops really good lateral quickness and he, he could guard smaller guys and develops a three-point shot and a good handle, then you know he could maybe spend most of his time at the three. That is crazy with Miami. We were talking about that the other yeah. day. Norchad Amir is kind of their biggest guy down low. He's 6'7". Six, 6'7". Seven. Six, seven, they yeah. don't have a guy above 6'7 that plays consistent minutes. You would not really guess he's 6'7", though, just because he's so strong. And yeah, how he, he plays, plays. He is so a big body guy. Yeah, yeah. He, he really is. Yeah, no, that was that was the weird thing is you don't... I don't want to say Virginia Tech's undersized because, you know, they still have strong players. Bazilli's a big body guy. So is Mutz. Um, and, you know, they, they play their positions just fine. But you don't see a lot of lineups where everyone's shorter than than your tallest guy against the Hokies. Because at the end of the day, 6'9 is, is like the new 6'7. The year Virginia Tech made the Sweet 16, so Buzz Williams last season, Virginia Tech's power forward was Ty Outlaw, who was 6'6". Yeah. And they're back, and they only had one guy over six six on the whole roster. That was Blackshear. Mm-hmm. Their backup center was, I think, was he was listed. PJ Horn was probably listed at six seven, but you ever if you ever stand next to him, he's six five. Mm-hmm. So there was like one point he was six eight on the roster, right? And he was not. Trust <laughs> me. Uh, so Tech went to the Sweet Sixteen with one guy who I would say was taller than six six. Um, so it just comes down to the strengths and weaknesses of your team. I would rather have an undersized, skilled player than just to recruit some big guy just to say I had a little bit more height, but the yeah. guy wasn't any good. Yeah. I think that's perfect. I think that should just wrap it up. Chris, thank you so, so much as always. We appreciate you giving, what, 10 minutes of your time on a Friday afternoon? Yeah, you bet. Chris Coleman's hopping off now. Kyle Marshak and I will be right back again. Abby Nielsen, thanks for producing behind the scenes. When we come back, Virginia Tech women's basketball talk, the Hokies winners in Chapel Hill, and then we'll preview the Hokies going down to Tobacco Road to take on the Duke Blue Devils on the men's side. All that and much more coming up on TSL today. Come right back. Welcome back, Hokie Nation, to this edition of TSL Today. Kyle Marshak across the way, Abby Nielsen behind the scenes, and I'm Carter Hill. Welcome back to the second segment. Let's start off with Virginia Tech women's basketball. 61-59 winners over number 22 North Carolina last night in Chapel Hill, the Liz Kitley Legacy Game. Dude, if you want to talk about anything other than Liz Kitley right now, you are insane. She has been nuts. And and we were talking with Chris uh, before that recording, right before this. And, and there might be a shot. Now, this is speculation right now. But because of that COVID year, that she could come back for another year. Mm-hmm. And I think Hokies fans would love that. All-time leading scorer in program history right now, plus the buzzer beater. What else could you ask for? Yeah, she trumped Asia Shepard last night, who is now, of course, with the Las Vegas Aces. She is now the program's all-time leading scorer. And then she had her moment at Virginia Tech. She put up 42 points in the first round of the NCAA tournament last year, but the Hokies lost that game. This was her moment at Virginia Tech, and it it was fantastically impressive. I was in Chapel Hill. I went with my buddy Tyler Katz, who does stuff with us for 3304 Sports. He's our sports director, and we were going crazy behind Tech's bench. Just one of the one of the best spectacles I've seen at a game before. And I haven't seen Tech win at the buzzer in person in either the men's or the women's side in quite some time. It was fantastic. Now, so, so Abby, if you, yeah, throw the camera at me because I, I have to tell a quick story. Now, I made a massive mistake, and I'll tell you guys this right now. I did not go to this game. But yes. I had the I opportunity to, to do so. So let me break out this conversation super quick. Carter asked me two nights ago, he says, he knocks my door and I'm like, yes, Carter. He goes, hey, man, <laughs> hey, man, you want to go to North Carolina and go to the women's game with me? And I said, 
I got to help Abby edit our podcast. And, uh, and you know, you know, Abby, Abby struggles to do so. No, I'm kidding. And, um, you know, so I, I had stuff going on. I said, you know, three and a half hours and I haven't really slept that much this week. And, you know, I just wonder whether or not it's the Hokies have been so good. I know it's the number 22 ranked Tar Heels, but it's like, am I even going there to watch a good game? I just didn't feel like, uh, you know, the Hokies will always put on a good show. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. And the Tar Heels are a good team, too. But I just figured the way the Hokies have been playing, there might not be a competition. I was wrong. And, and you know what? As soon as Kitley hit that buzzer beater, I get a text from Kyle Marshak saying, quote, I should have gone. Yes, you should have that gone. That is true. No, we had a great time. Well, and to your point, it was quite arguably, in my opinion, maybe one of their more impressive wins of the season because in previous games, they had dominated Duke. They had dominated Florida State. They had dominated NC State. They had shot the ball extremely well, and they got off to such a fast start. That necessarily wasn't the case last night. They found themselves in an early hole, and they still found a way to win that ball game. And I was listening to it solely on the radio because I freaking love Evan Hughes' voice. Evan, you are the GOAT. And he had a great call of mm -hmm. the buzzer beater yes, especially. Did. And, um, you know, from what I recollected, first of all, the energy at Carmichael was fantastic. Second of all, I definitely recollected that it was one of those stretches towards the latter half of the game where they were giving the ball to Kitley. Mm -hmm. And it's because she was not missing. Oh and when they gosh. inbounded it to her, I was like, she's about to hit a mid-range to just absolutely drill this game. And sure enough, she did. Oh, my gosh. It was the perfect play. David Cunningham was in here earlier, and he tweeted out something where he was listening to the Kenny Brooks interview on the Virginia Tech Sports Network with Evan Hughes and Mac McCarthy. And he had mentioned that that was Sean Poppy's play. And Sean Poppy is the former associate head coach here. He is now the head coach at Chattanooga. And so he tweeted out something like, you got to give credit where credit's due. And Sean Poppy tweeted back and was like, hey, man, we call that set VT at Chattanooga. Like, it's up to y'all's interpretation as to who owns that play. But he gave credit where credit was due. They ran the decoy for Amor. I mean, they, they had, like, that's the thing, too. They had five play. girls. Well, not only that. With how much firepower Virginia Tech has offensively, they could have ran a play for all five girls on the floor to win the game. They ran the decoy for Amor. They bit defensively and left Kitley wide open to win the game. Tech 45% from the field, just 30% from three, but they held the Tar Heels to 40% and 31% from downtown. Tech also out-rebounded Carolina 41-28. to Kitley with 21 points, 20 points from Kayana Trailer, and 10 points from Georgia Amor. Tech really kept the Tar Heels out of rhythm offensively, and although they didn't have their best off, off or I should say, although they didn't have their best stuff offensively, they hit shots when they needed to, and they did what they had to do to win the game. The the thing I like about their defense, I mean, they are a normal sized team until you get to Liz Kitley. She's obviously very tall. Um, and Georgia Amor is your typical, you know, one spot. She still had a block and a steal last night. Mm -hmm. Now, she will get a steal a night. We we know that. Um, but I think adding a block on top of that, now this is kind of a stretch, but I think adding a block on top of that, in the box score at least, shows you that she was a very good defender last night. But there are there's not really a statistical category to show you how feisty she was at the top of the key. So the NCAA Tournament Committee, actually right before the game yesterday, put out their updated projections for the NCAA Tournament as to where teams would be seated at. Currently, Virginia Tech would be the number eight overall seed. They would be a two seed in the NCAA tournament. Of course, that means they will host top four seeds, will host the first and second round should they advance. Currently right now, 
if the Hokies go on the road, they beat Georgia Tech in Atlanta on Sunday, which should happen, and they avoid something catastrophic in Greensboro, that's probably the worst Tech can do. If Virginia Tech runs the table, and I said it on TSL today when you and I were doing the show on Wednesday, I said Virginia Tech would be my pick right now to win the ACC tournament. If the Hokies go on a run and win the whole dang thing in Greensboro, I don't think you can deny Virginia Tech a one seed. Yeah. Especially with how good the ACC is, too. Like, I think Virginia Tech, if they run the table, this is something I would run by David, and I'm curious to see, I would be curious to hear his take, but I think the Hokies would be a one seed if they ran the table. I think, barring they lose on Sunday, and Georgia Tech is not a good basketball team, barring them losing on Sunday and suffering a letdown, They've got a two seed locked up. They've also got the they've also got the three seed locked up in Greensboro right now. They will yeah. be the three seed at the ACC tournament. Yeah. Notre Dame and Georgia Tech, or sorry, Notre Dame and Duke will be ahead of them because of tiebreakers and all that stuff. But Virginia Tech, I think the worst they can do right now is a two seed in the NCAA tournament. And I think if they keep winning, they could be a one. So I was going to ask you that that Duke and Notre Dame they do have tiebreakers over the Hokies. Yes, yeah, so they're they're locked so in as they're, the they're three, the three seed. seed. They're the yeah, three they're seed. locked in as the three seed okay. of the ACC tournament. Because I was going to say, I mean, they're only a game ahead, but okay, and that that's still we, we need a couple things to to fall in the favor of the Hokies. Mm-hmm. All right. Regardless, though, that makes complete sense to me. For me, the ACC is the best basketball conference in women's hoops right now in the NCAA. There is no question for me. Personally, I truly believe that. I will live and die on that hill. But I don't think I would receive too much argument. So no, I agree. So to to stack on top of your point, that makes complete sense. Because whoever wins the ACC tournament, uh, guessing that they are already a ranked squad. So any of the ranked teams in the ACC, but especially those top three between Duke, Notre Dame, and Virginia Tech, any of those three win I don't care which team it is. They deserve to be a one seed because they won the ACC. That is one of the best teams. They're already a ranked squad. If they had won the ACC, they'll have already developed a much stronger resume by that point. I think whoever wins the ACC is getting a one seed. Yes, if it's one of those three If teams. it's one of those three, yeah. Yeah, I would pick Virginia Tech to win the ACC right now. I think that's a because, fair Because, again, take. they didn't even really play their best basketball last night. Yeah. And they still beat a top 25 team on the road. So it, it's just one of those things, too. Where, and North Carolina has been such a, I wouldn't say thorn in their side, but they 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 played so many games so back and forth over the years. The ACC tournament game last year in Greensboro, right. which the Hokies won in overtime. The game in Blacksburg earlier this year. And now the game in Chapel Hill. For Tech to play subpar basketball and go down to North Carolina and beat the Tar Heels on their home floor says everything. So I think if the Hokies went out, they're a one seed in the NCAA tournament. My final point, because uh, you and I saw it last year in Greensboro, the thing that does... I'm not going to say stinks because Greensboro is a great location and they run it well and it is an awesome experience. I recommend to anyone in the North Carolina and Virginia area, go to Greensboro for the women's basketball tournament. Carter and I had the most fun we had ever had covering any event. Mm-hmm. It was so much fun. And the reason being is because the Wolfpack mm-hmm. travel well. They travel really well, Carter. And uh, it, it basically turns into an NC State tournament there. Now, this is not the same NC State team that we have. And I get that can be argued and that that, that might be a little, um, I don't want to say homerish, but, you know, but my, my point being, if there's any team that isn't, I believe NC State's not ranked currently, if I'm not no, mistaken. Not, no. And that was, Duke last night. that was the one team in that stretch of games that Virginia Tech was playing that was supposed to remain ranked and did not. Um, but still, they were ranked at the moment that they played them. Yeah, my point being, 
NC State can take over. Like the, the ACC is just so fun to watch. And honestly, to me, outside of Virginia Tech, the NC State Wolfpack, I'm totally going on a tangent, yeah. has the best fan base. And Greensboro is their spot to take over during the tournament time. So if there's any team that's a dark horse for me, it's NC State. Carolina will show up too. There'll yes. be a lot of Carolina And Duke travels okay too. Not like Carolina. Not like NC Carolina State, or no. NC State. No. But then I mean that's the thing. You have Wake Forest, Duke, North Carolina, and, and uh, NC yeah, State. Wake all Forest right there. have fans. <laughs> I mean, it's a small school. <laughs> no, I, I love the Deeks. I have a good friend that goes there. All right, let's flip to the men's side of things. Virginia Tech, they're going to Tobacco Road this weekend as well. Although they'll be at Cameron Indoor Stadium, the Hokies and Blue Devils on Saturday night at eight o'clock on ESPN. Speaking of the women, four o'clock on the ACC Network at Georgia Tech on Sunday. Don't want to forget about that. Yeah, the Hokies seeking just their second win in program history at Cameron Indoor, the last one being in 2007. What do they have to do to get the job done in Durham? Hunter Couture. Okay. That's my two-word answer. It uh, Hunter Couture shot the lights out. He was a dead eye against the Devils in Castle. Now, we have to look at it realistically, right? We can't ask Hunter Couture to put up the same type of performance twice in a row. We just need guys to hit shots. If there's going to be someone that I would like to be a surprise performance, I have began to really enjoy. Now, this is not going to sound correct whatsoever because this is not necessarily in a skill set yet. I've really began to enjoy watching MJ Collins at the two spot as a catch and shoot guy. He heated up and you saw improvements just a tad bit in that last game where you felt like you could, you could kick the ball out to him and he would drill the shot. His shooting is clearly improved in just a matter of starts. Um, so that's where it starts for me. You just have to have guys who can shoot the ball well from deep. So these two teams met earlier this season. Virginia Tech 78 to 75 winners in Blacksburg on Big Monday that improved them to 2 and 7 in ACC play. Kyle Filipowski 29 points that night. No one else in the Blue Devil lineup scored more than 10. Tech shot 57 per, uh, 57% from the field, 52% from 3. So yes, it seems like Virginia Tech they're going to have to shoot the ball well. To win this game and probably limit Kyle Filipowski down low. And the cool thing about Flip is he's one of those guys, weird comp. He's one of those guys like Liz Kitley who has the vision once people start guarding him well to dish the ball out too. That's what makes him dangerous. Um, not to mention just the size of the Duke lineup. They rebound better than most teams in the ACC. And so it starts with that. Um, I think they just need to utilize their size more. That's where Duke went wrong when uh, the Hokies miraculously snapped their seven-game lose streak, losing streak against uh, the Blue Devils in Castle last month. Um, they just got to use their size because rebounding is something that the Hokies are are um, average to below average in, in the ACC right now. Well, they'll probably need a, a big night from Grant Bazzilli yeah. as well. 12 straight games in double figures. Prior to the Miami loss on Tuesday, he had scored above 20 in four straight and six of the last eight. Kyle Filipowski averaging 15 points a game for Duke. Jeremy Roach at 12.7 and Tyrese Proctor. They're starting point guard at nine points a game. So the Hokies finish up with Duke at Louisville next Tuesday. We'll be there at the KFC Yum yeah. Center. And then Florida State at home. Just trying to finish off the season, the regular season on a good note now, finish off 3-0. and In all likelihood, Tech will play, unfortunately, on day one of the ACC tournament in Greensboro. But should they win that one, they should have an interesting matchup in round number two. Kyle, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much. Hey, dude, thanks. And I'm still looking for my glasses if you've seen them anywhere. Yes, yes, yes. Hopefully we'll find your glasses. Thanks to Chris Coleman for hopping on in the first segment, our lead analyst and columnist. Kyle Marshak across the way. Abby Nielsen, second podcast you're producing today? 
Second. Abby, you did great. Second. Thank you, you did so, great, so much. We appreciate you. We got much to talk about next week. Hopefully it will be a good weekend for the Hokies and that talk will be a, a, a fun time and on the baseball and softball diamonds as well with both squads in action. Thanks so much for tuning in to this edition of TSL Today. We thank you so, so much. Have a great weekend, everybody. Go Hokies and we'll see you next week. Thank <laughs> you.